if tonight should just be like a beer episode. You know, the, this, uh, oh my. <laughs> Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus, let us drink beer. Welcome back to the Go to Hell podcast. You're listening to the Go to Hell podcast, where strong opinions are weekly held about Christianity, the church, and faith. I'm your host, Tim Curley, along with my co-host, Colton Pierce. Colton, what are we drinking? Sitting here, drinking beer, talking guys, hanging killing time, living life with some down-home friends. Well, I haven't opened mine yet. Sounds so great. Uh, yeah, tonight um, we have a very heavy topic, um, so we decided to get a couple of things that'll uh, just loosen us up a little bit. Oh, yeah. We are drinking the Thank You Very Much Mega IPA from Dust Bowl Brewing Company. This is a whole can of wrong right here. Yeah, we are rocking a 1.16 fluid ounce that is coming in at an alcohol 15% by volume. Um, so we're drinking, uh, quick math, either three or four beers right here in one can, I think. Yeah, basically. And we've got two of them. Depending on whether or not you're a Coors or Budweiser drinker or you're a Stone IPA drinker. That's true. So this would be four probably if you're a Coors guy. Uh, we're okay with the Yellow Jackets. If you're a Bud guy, you can go to hell. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so it's got a gorgeous... Look at that color. Copper man. color. Which is just brought in by the alcohol. And as we've said in previous podcasts, Dust Bowl, thank you very much. You're one of our favorite breweries. And so this is going to uh, this is gonna make for an adventurous night. We might have to stop on a few occasions. Feel free uh, to sponsor us, Dust there Bowl. There might be a few uh, bleeps. Yeah. Don't blame us. Blame Dust Bowl. Oh, it's a little sweet from the nut, which should be expected from the amount of alcohol but it's uh it's not it actually works spectacularly well oh my oh my that is a cocktail sir that's not even a beer <laughs> i'm wondering if tonight should just be like a beer episode you know, the, this uh oh my <laughs> Oh, wow. You stay classy, San Diego. Woo! Turlock, California. We love you. All right. So, I said that we're talking about a heavy topic. What are we talking about tonight, Tim? Uh, Heaven and hell, which I think we'll probably spend more time on hell. You think so? Uh, I'm more interested in the hell part of it than the heaven part. I see you're a pessimist. I'm an optimist. Well, I'd actually do it the other way around because I'm not really sure about this whole hell thing. So, <laughs> oh, shots fired already, and we're not oh, even wow. two sips into the beer. Um, we're gonna unpack it tonight. So we're still in our series about uh, why people are leaving the faith, or why people are uh, aren't just aren't attracted to faith, and one of it is this whole heaven and hell thing. Uh, it's probably always been a bit of a problem. 
uh, for non-believers, but as we spoke about last week, we're now in a postmodern, uh, non-religious right. society for the first time. Well, no, I take that back. We're in a postmodern, non-Judeo-Christian. We are still very much a religious. We've just replaced it with other religions, but we are now a post-modern, post-Judeo-Christian society, and... Uh, Part of being in that new era is an aversion to judgmentalism. Right. And I mean, like, even that being said, like, this has been a gradual progression since, you know, the 1920s, right? You have, like, everybody thinks that, like, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll are these things that are going to continue to. And it's been a... It's been a progression to where we are now. And I do think that it will still continue to progress to where you will start to see more... uh, freeing from freeing people people freeing themselves from a lot of these um religious influences on society correct well, i would say judeo-christian influences on society and you and i are going to probably talk about tonight that the fact uh, a lot of us the 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 milieu of christianity that we grew up in uh the united states particularly if you're probably under certainly my age under 50 maybe under even 60 is you've grown up in a particular brand of evangelicalism and there's certain certain parts of that that's phenomenal billy graham crusades and all that it's wonderful great man i can't believe you use the word crusade you know you are so insensitive i I, absolutely uh (laughs) sorry uh it's already started uh but uh and there's i think an assumption because we grow up in that and people all uh we know, agree, even amongst different denominations, and unless you go to a seminary and do some deep diving about church history, you don't really know that the flavor of Christianity we celebrate in the United States is really a very recent, young vintage. And Wow, that's how you use it. I say it's a bastardized version of the faith, but you know. You've clearly had more to drink than <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That's not true. Uh, I think that's that's fair as well. So um, so if you're listening to this podcast and you've grown up in the church and you're kind of questioning what you've grown up on or you hate what we're talking about, go to hell. Um, we're going to hopefully, even though we've made it clear, well, if you listen to our intro, our first episode where we talked about our backgrounds, right. we are not scholars we're not theologians we don't even have degrees in uh seminary i have not gone to seminary so this is all scratching at the surface but that's what most of us have and so you do just a little bit nice thing about the interwebs you got to be careful like everything on the interwebs you got to be careful but uh well and that's also there's a whole other world of christianity out there that we're not aware of that's existed for the last two millennia plus well and again and i think that that's what's important is that uh, is what you just said is where it's like Listen, we're not scholars. We're not the the one of the main objectives of this podcast was we wanted to be those guys that are in the pews with you. Okay, we wanted to be those people that if you go to a church service and you're like, "Hey, I have these questions." Me and Tim are like, "Hey, we have these questions." And we've we've done our research. We you know, uh, I've taken classes. Tim is you know an internet guru. So, uh, but it, you know, you read books, and that's all that we have um, for a lot of us. We don't have the ability to go and get college educated, and so maybe the only thing that you have is that church service on a Sunday morning, where something is almost being filtered sometimes, where it's like this is 
just because this one pastor believes in this one particular thing or this one denomination believes in this particular thing, is that necessarily what is biblically accurate? Is this what is accurate? Is it accurate? Maybe there's not an accurate... Maybe we don't know what either one is accurate, but it's not icky or uh, uh, wrong to think differently than what you're being told on Sunday because I don't think Christianity, I don't think Jesus meant for... Christianity be t- to become something where you have to have a seminary degree to fully understand it. And no. if if you do have – if uh, seminaries are great and part of me w- wants to take some classes just to do get – to get more church history. But if anything, when you look at people who have – scholars who have gone church through seminary, a lot of them don't come out believers. So I'm not sure that's a good thing either. So, um, you know, we're not – pushing everyone you know if you really want to understand your faith you got to start you know taking classes online to understand it no it's just well and something i mean what your what your pastor or what your flavor of the month from the uh christian military industrial complex in nashville is selling you or your denomination isn't necessarily the end-all be-all of what christian thought is so we're just Struggling well, out there with you. And something that's uh, worth of note, um, if there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, if you are possibly looking at wanting to get some of the more of that, um, that school education and you want it, and some of that quality school education, um, what I would actually recommend is uh, some of the Ivy League schools have actually opened up some of their classes to where you don't get college credits but you can attend those classes. So you can, uh, you can take them online and uh, the teacher will teach to you. You don't get the college credits, but you get that knowledge. Um, and you just get to become an armchair badass that just like knows all of this stuff. I believe and Princeton's got one of the world renowned. And so, yeah, exactly. And so you don't have to take – yeah, Harvard's got it. Uh, Yale has got one. And then I think there's a couple other over there where it's like if you just look – you don't have – and it's – you still have to pay. That's also right. important. But it's it's not nearly – tuition fees <laughs> like you know right. it's just like hey pay your professor for the knowledge that they know and but it's it's good to know these things out there that maybe you're questioning about and find out yeah turns out people in the church have been struggling with this for years or right. things that you're being told are anathema to being a believer well there's a there's a churchy word right there i just i just uh break it down i me. just mimicked my inner john MacArthur. Uh, anathema <laughs> things that are uh, that we have an aversion to uh, hate uh, are despicable to us uh, some, an aversion to uh, an anathema to our faith are actually you know that's been thought of by the church before and actually widely in a lot of instances widely held by the church before either the Protestant Reformation or again uh, some of our several enlightenments in the Great Awakenings in the United States, etc. So um, there is a big difference, and there's even a split b- between the the High Church. There's differences between the Greek Orthodox and the Roman Catholic Church, and most of us in the United States aren't really aware of that Greek Greek Orthodox split between the Roman Catholic Church. But there's even differences between those big uh, churches because we're either mostly Roman Catholic or Protestant here. So, um, and that's not even counting the Mormons. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Yeah. Uh, well, and I think, yeah. And so all this to say when it comes to the to our topic tonight is that if this is something that is weighing on your mind, 
um, and maybe we bring something up tonight that that may change your way of thinking or whatever. Feel free to go and look up stuff. Like go find things. Like um, go research what it is that we're talking about and do legitimate research again. Credible sourcing always well, always good. Please read things that are you know. Um, peer reviewed right um, like uh it's always important um just keep that in mind as you're as you're going through and you're reading stuff don't just read the first article that pops up on google because that's just you know the most popular one it doesn't mean that it's the one that's accurate okay um so and, and we'll just say we'll we'll talk about this later probably towards the end of the podcast but we'll, we'll, let's put it on the table now the next hour of our discussion Whatever you believe, neither one of us believe means you're going to our discussion. going to hell or not. Or sorry, it, it it's not central to your faith. One more time, sorry, I was uh, drinking my beer. You were drinking your beer. <laughs> okay, one more time. One more time. You were fixated on that wonderful pecan no, flavor I mean, on the on the back end. Yeah, it was, it was delicious. <laughs> I'm getting more like apple, um, personally. <laughs> okay, one more time. Oh dear, this <laughs> is the go to beer cod podcast. Uh, <laughs> What we're going to discuss tonight, whatever you believe, if someone tells you it is fundamental to what your faith is and whether or not you have salvation, that is false. Because the short answer, and we could end this podcast right now in 13 minutes, is actually none of us know. Right. But we have another 45 minutes to fill, so we'll fill that with... 45 minutes. We'll we'll fill it in more. In more. We'll be two hours later. two more beers. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. it is not fundamental, and I think often t- too much is whether or not you believe in heaven or hell means whether or not you believe in the sanctification of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you and the, and the saving of his blood on the cross. No, I don't believe that. Was that your North Carolina accent right there? Uh, <laughs> Oklahoma. Oklahoma. More like Alabama. Uh, oh. No, I didn't live in Alabama. But... <laughs> I was going with places that you lived. <laughs> our, poor, our poor Alabama. Uh, Boomer Sooner. Pod. Uh, now I just now I just lost all my Oklahoma boomer sooner, boomer sooner. All right, uh, all right. Let's dive into there, it. I there guess. goes all no of our cow- di- there goes all of our cowboy fans. <laughs> Dang it! There, there goes all the Texas fans. Oh, Longhorns suck. Okay. He didn't actually go there. He went to UCLA, guys. <laughs> I did go to UCLA, but I grew up a Sooner fan. It's okay. I'm I grew also, up in Oklahoma. I also went to some random private college, but I root for the I went to UCLA, which I'm now supposed to accept is in the Big Ten. The look on Colton's face, clearly he's not following sports news as closely I, as I thought. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? I did not. When did this happen? We're never gonna. All get right, to that's, this topic. that's 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 a topic for off off. Oh off air. my gosh! What? <laughs> this is shaking my college football world. Colton is off for the summer, so he has very little to do. I've seen a lot of pictures on weekdays during the day around the the pool. So clearly, and I I envy him. So you know, it's a lot better to be. Completely oblivious to the news of the world. I know. I just got back to work this week, and I'm looking at – I'm staring down the barrel of 250 emails that I just completely ignored all summer long. And to be fair – To be foul. To be fair. I am in the sports business, so I know all about this. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to talk about this off air. Okay. okay. Uh, 
I'm not sure when we're done with the two beers, you're going to remember what we discussed tonight. I'm going to have to talk about it on Friday again, but. Okay. So, Heaven and Hell. Yes. We'll, we'll try to do what we do in most of our, these episodes. We're going to lay down some groundwork, right. some give everybody a background on what the church is traditionally believed, maybe what is currently believed by different flavors of the faith. So, uh, stipulation number one is heaven talked about in the Old Testament. I think briefly, like so, once or twice, like something like uh, Sh- Shiloh or Shiloh or something. Yeah, you kind of have these really vague um, situations. There is still the question about where does Elijah and where does Enoch go? That's usually kind of like one of those things where it's like. So they yeah, because if you don't believe in an afterlife, then God just is like, I like him. I'm going to murder him. Yeah, like they go up into the atmosphere, they lose oxygen, and then they're out of here. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's. That's what you would deduce from that. Like, scientifically, we're like, oh, well, they didn't make it very far. They didn't burn in the fiery right. chariot, but... So I think I've heard a Jewish scholar talk about whatever the term is, Shiloh or whatever, is like uh, the, there's the Jewish belief that's like a concept of going back to one's family right? in a spiritual sense. So... Uh, all right, so we butchered that a little bit, and then hell is spoken, mentioned. No, okay. Well, we'll just we'll we'll jump. To, we'll get to hell. We'll start with heaven. We'll, we'll stick with heaven for now. And then Jesus talks about it. How much in the New Testament, or how much is it discussed in the New Testament? What it's like the second most mentioned thing that he has, like in the New Testament. So Jesus talks about it, and then obviously there's a whole, arguably book about it at the very end. That's a Goodness mind me. trip unpack that too okay. no we'll just mention it we're just gonna mention it okay. it seems to be mentioned in revelation right it seems to be mentioned and then jesus makes references to things that we assume what we would call par- uh, heaven that he doesn't i don't think he uses the term right he says paradise to the thief yes he so what's all, well yeah it's a lot of important things about when jesus says heaven he says uh the kingdom right like that's right. the idea um for that um and then for whatever reason when he's talking to the thief uh the two the two ones it, a lot of times scholars can sit there and maybe am i getting into this too early but, no no, no. Uh, the scholars would say that when he's mentioning this kingdom of heaven or this kingdom of god um he's talking about here on earth um this idea of what it is that God's vision is for this earth, for this world that we live in, um, and this is how you build it. Um, right. And so this is how you get into it, which is, you know, how do you build it here? Um, but then there's two – there's a couple of situations that Jesus has. The two notable ones are the one the, the, the stranger on the cross or the, the criminals – he has the one on the right, the one on the left, the one on the right heckles him, the one on the left says, leave him alone. And he turns to him and he says, today you'll be with me in paradise, right? That's the word that he uses. What does that mean? We don't know, right? That's the, a lot of people think that that's that, that, that claim to this, this celestial place up in the sky um, or whatever it is, um, right? And we always associate it with being in the sky, 
Um, that's always important because always people are like, heaven's down below, or hell's down below, heaven's up above. Right. Because again, Elijah, Enoch, Jesus all ascended. Ascend. Okay? So that's why, like, for anybody who's, like, some people get into it and they're like, it's not this place, like, in the clouds or whatever. It's no, like, I think But the reason why people heaven's... imagine it is because it's this ascension, right? So... Um, it's literally what I saw in uh, Heaven Can Wait with the uh, what's his name? I can't remember the actor. Damn it! Now, uh, anyway, yeah, it's just a bunch of clouds and we're doing nothing. Yeah, ex- uh, exactly. Um, and then the other situation is or Larry David in uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, where he goes up and sees. Uh, let's see, Dustin Hoffman I think plays his, plays Moses, and then the Brit who plays uh, shoot. Anyway, off topic. Uh, okay, so what, we'll, let's not get into place. What is it? Okay, okay. But Jesus, point is, Jesus talks about both, we'll call them heaven and hell for, for now. Just that's that's the modern English short form for these things. Jesus he talks about them. Definitively talks about them. But he's Jewish. He's fulfilling the Jewish faith. And Judaism, we'll call it Judaism, Right, because Christianity that's a, doesn't exist. You're right. The did not talk about such things. And if it did, I'm trying to remember, did it talk about it in Daniel or any of the apocryphal books? But then that brings up the whole thing because Jesus speaks in a apocryphal language much, much more than the Old Testament did, the books in the Old Testament did. So anyway, Jesus talks way differently than the Old Testament does. Right. Now, some scholars that I've read take that as Jesus, they find that a problem that he's speaking differently because he's supposed to be Jewish and now he's changing everything up. You and I, as believers in Jesus, would say that's because the Old Testament is built on this kingdom of now or people took it that well. It, they were they were often double uh they were double prophecies where things were both going to happen physically, but there was also a, a spiritual uh, or a, a prophecy to Jesus. So, well, but here's also the thing that I think is important in what we're in where we're going with this too is also that the, that whatever God's promise is for whatever happens, it has been the same throughout the th- throughout the eternity. And this is what's important again when we look at Jesus and we look at what he's teaching and that kind of stuff. A lot of people think. That when Jesus gave this this parable, and he talks about you don't you don't put new wine into old wineskins, they burst, right? Everybody, not everybody, but there is a large portion that believe that Jesus is the new wine. He's coming in and he's bursting out all of this old wineskins. But actually, Jesus is making the claim that no, God has been here the whole time. I'm old wine going into these old wineskins. I am, I am merely saying what. We've been saying the whole time. Right. I'm not here to break the faith. I'm here to make it better. Right. Exactly. So, uh, we so, talked about that last week. Yeah, right? exactly. And so, again, He's, he, the faith that David and Moses and Abraham, all the, all the great people of the New, Old Testament had, they had the same faith that we're called to have in Jesus, in God. And what made them holy wasn't the fact that they went to the temple and followed all the mosaic rules it was because they were they had a relationship and what Paul talks about in Romans is that's it 
It's the relationship. Right. And so that whole concept of the promises that God has made and that he makes as Jesus are the same ones that he continued to make and will continue to make from that point forward. So um, just keep that in mind as we go through this. So for whatever reason, God doesn't spend a lot of time talking about the afterlife right. in the Old Testament. Right. We'll just leave it at that. We could probably have somebody on from the Princeton or a Pacific, President Pacific, and give us <laughs> some reason as to why that was. Um, you know, the pagan religions at the time didn't talk about whatever. Doesn't matter. Jesus comes along, shakes it up. So now he starts talking about it. So now... There's this, all right, what is this? What is heaven? What's hell? And then, frankly, the church has been trying to figure out what both are for now two millennium, right? Yeah, and I think, and people get really uppity about what the view is. And if you don't subscribe to their view, somehow that means you're not a real follower in Jesus. Yeah, and I think that a lot of it stems from, um, and I... And I mean, like, if you look at a lot of these pagan religions, right, you look at the Egyptians, you look at these really ancient uh, civilizations, even if you look South America, if you look in some of these detached um, parts of the world that were from there, there's a lot of desire to figure out what happens after death. I, I don't think that that is something that's wrong if you go to the deep parts of Africa that may that uh, weren't even um, a part of um the western world for a long period of time you know like you have uh there is still this fascination with the afterlife there uh you know asian culture japan who was isolated for so long they have this idea of what's next right so after there's, yeah there's death. clearly there's clearly something etched in us that has a what's the point of just this exactly and for the probably the average American listener listening to this just because we've been exposed to enough Greek mythology, probably the uh, ancient pagan religion that we're most uh, familiar with would be the Greeks and their notion of the the, yeah, the river Styx and right. Hades and their interpretation of these things. And so, yeah, it's clearly on them. And then the Romans adopt similar beliefs and so yeah, and a lot of people also don't realize that again hades the river sticks that also had that whole kind of heaven hell hierarchy mm-hmm. right the heroes got to go to uh, what's the name of the place i can't even think of it off the top of my head but there's a place for the heroes valhalla <laughs> well i mean that's 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 the um and then you have you have this more of this purgatory torturing place you know instead like so you kind of have this again this kind of um this binary um platonic kind of setup um and again we'll kind of unpack that as we go so okay so we've just so we we mentioned all this i mentioned all this bring it up it is important we can't just gloss it away no absolutely not jesus talks about it absolutely jesus talks about hell more than anybody else combined in the bible and then he talks about heaven i think the same it just he's talking about it 
this is a podcast that believes it's Jesus centric. We need to really focus on what Jesus talks about. So clearly it's a thing not to be just swept aside and eh, whatever. A uh, couple of other notes to unpack, though. Jesus never mentions the word hell. And the word he uses would not be what most people associate with hell. He uses the word Gehenna. At least in a couple, I don't know if it's all of the verses, but I know in Mark, he uses the word Gehenna, which is basically a valley outside of Jerusalem where I think all the garbage is thrown in and then it's in bodies that aren't identified or something and they're all burned. Right. So this is where all the trash basically goes. Hell comes along in our English translations because... Mar uh, because King James, the pedophile king, decides to use the word hell. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you have this whole situation where it's like you have this this place that's outside of Jerusalem. And, and that's the important part. In, and when we unpack hell, I don't know when we're unpacking it. You, you're the you're at the, the very master, least. So. Jesus is making clear there's a separation. Right, there is a separation. There's a separation. So Jesus is using some term symbolically to show that there's some there's some separation if you don't follow him. Right. There is clearly defined something. And then and then the English language focuses on the word hell. And then I don't even know if it's the English language though because Dante's Inferno is this strange description of. You know, the, the seven, seven layers, seven layers, stages of hell. So it, it's something again. This is a fixation that the church has had. Have you read? Why Dante's not? Inferno? Yeah. Why not? Because. As we're trying to struggle right, right here, just to lay down the groundwork, Jesus is very vague about it, but he mentions it a lot. Right. But he's in ridiculously vague about both heaven and hell. Right. Okay. So then next groundwork, we'll do the, I'm going to list three traditional, they might not be all of them, but I would say, broadly speaking, they're the three general views of what, of both heaven and hell. Right. Uh, so you either go to heaven or you go to hell. And two of them mainly focus on what happens if you go to hell. All right, so... There's the eternal conscience, t conscience, torment, or infernalism view. This is the Dante view. This is, and it's because Jesus uses language that suggests this, but it, I, guess, I think it's symbolic. He's not literally meaning this, but it's been taken literally that if you don't believe in Jesus or, you know, whatever, if God... Uh, judges you as to not be a follower of Jesus, then you are sent to an eternal lake, uh, literally an eternal lake of fire for eternal torment. Correct? Yeah, yeah it's something of, you know. So that, for that, not believing, this God of love is going to send you to a lake of internal suffering and, and torture. You are getting the uh, place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right. Then there's the annihilationism. Or we'll call it conditional Im immortality or conditionalism. And this is more of 
uh, well, it's it, you don't go to God's torture chamber. You just cease to exist. So you just kind of go to the sweet oblivion of not knowing that you don't exist anymore. Right. But those who believe then get to go to the party in the sky. Go to the party Valhalla in the sky and party with Jesus because I I picture him as I picture him with a tuxedo shirt on playing I like Leonard picture, Skinner. I like to picture my Jesus coming down with angel wings. Angel wings. <laughs> singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says like I want to be formal but I'm here to party too because I like to party so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus like with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band. And I'm in the front row and I'm hammered drunk. Hell yeah! <laughs> Sweet home Alabama. All right, and then and then the other and one. And I'm in the front hammered, hammered. drunk. Well. We're pretty close there. Yelling, free bird! Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, all right. And then the third one, and again, there might be some other ones. You can email or send them in your comments and or just go to hell. Uh, the, there's the more universalist of just Jesus died on the cross. He uh, repaired all of nature, brought everyone to reconciliation with him and his dying on the cross saves it all. There's no, there's no hell. Just, we all go to heaven also, but understanding through universalism in most senses. I mean, there's a couple of people that are out there that are like, I don't think God would ever send anybody to hell, but the idea is still you know, for those that are, that are more biblical universalists. They also understand that the Jews were a chosen people. Um, their sacrifices that they made, which were the sacrifices of, you know, their livestock and all that kind of stuff, that was what allowed them to cleanse their sins. And so, therefore, that is what allowed them to be in God's grace and, therefore, right. be a part of his chosen select, which, therefore, allowed them to have access to this heaven that um, people are talking about. Um, and then through Jesus' death, that is the ultimate sacrifice for all of mankind. And so now this thing that was once exclusive is now uh, made available to everybody. And so that's where the universalists are like, okay, well, that's what did it right there. All right. So that's my breakdown on hell. You got a breakdown on different views of heaven or am I just catching you off guard? And if so, then why do you do your homework? I've got a breakdown, uh, common beliefs on. Hell. I focus on more on hell because I'm an Old Testament guy. Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> As Steve Spurrier once said, I'm Old Testament, you're New Testament. Uh, uh, yeah, so... So he different views of heaven. You got any different views of heaven? Different views of heaven. One um, is... Uh, well, I guess I can break it down in the most traditional sense, which is, one, you have this kind of... Uh, this idea of... It's this celestial place right it's this place this this afterlife place that you go to um again it it would very much align with uh the dante's inferno it's just now the opposite so whatever you saw as in the seven layers of hell with the seven different deadly sins you know you now are hanging out with michael paul uh i've seen pictures peter of this will be at the gate waiting for you table that goes infinitely jesus 100 longboards just so we're clear can't <laughs> wait to longboard down the streets of gold uh there's the notion of uh there's the notion that uh, depending on how faithful a believer you are, you live in like 
the shanty town of heaven, or if you were like Billy Graham. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. No, there's like, cl- there's uh, classism. Then you live you live in the Trump Mar-a-Laga. Uh, yeah, well, and there's a uh, yeah, and there's uh, there's like you know there is like one piece of scripture that talks about that you know the the jewels in heaven or whatever is that whole reference. Mm. Um, and so that's where a lot of people get that. Side note: It's always really good to take. It's it's usually bad. To take one verse and extrapolate from it. Oh no! But and that the one, reason why I'm bringing it up is because that's modern Christianity. But that one's okay. One. That one's okay to do because I'll be chilling in Trump Towers um, because I'm <laughs> such a good person. In the golden bathroom. That's right, dude. <laughs> Ordering McDonald's every night. Um, in and out. In and out. Uh, the great propaganda, great Christian rapper uh, said that Chilaquiles and in and out are in uh, heaven for sure. So said it in a rap lyric. And thank you very much, Meg IPA. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Imagine if, oh golly, we'd all be sloshed <laughs> believers. Um, um. So th- there's that um, kind of view of heaven, which uh, I think is actually. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I think that that is a very, very common perception of what I would say. I. The I'm gonna put like ninety lake of fire, <laughs> and I think the pillowy heaven, uh, uh, pillowy clouds of heaven are probably the most common. And there's a variety, right? Like there's a variety of what that pillowy clouds of heaven kind of looks like. But it's um, okay. We're I, I'm being I'm being no, snarky. No, 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 I'm no. being snarky. What you're trying to say is heaven is not this. It's not a physical thing. It's like this. I'm not not, well yeah so it's this this interpretation this interpretation is it is something past your life is where your soul goes after you die like that's that whole idea it's like it's something that we and it's not a new heaven or and it's not a new heaven not a new heaven not a new earth that is it is something totally different a different place than here correct correct then after that you have uh, the seventh dimension you have the second you have the second probably most popular belief which is um that there is um, you d- there's a really huge following that believes that we die and we don't get to be resurrected or we don't go to a place until we get resurrected into our new bodies when Jesus comes back. Right. Um, and so uh, because Jesus loves all of us, when he comes back, he wants to party with everyone. And so on this new earth, and I mean like there's there's the whole idea about like, you know, like people are like there have been so many billions of people on this earth like there's no way that we could all like live harmoniously together and that kind of stuff and it's like okay well we're obviously going to cross that bridge when we get there um but that's what that's venus the, is for Hello. yeah exactly duh, duh. but you don't think that jesus has space travel you have a fiery <laughs> chariot that can take you up in the sky um the multiverse yeah exactly so um so we'll see so that's another common perception is that um jesus will return the kingdom will be rebuilt and then we will all get to enjoy living in God's majesty on earth, whatever that means, um, together as one harmonious community. Um, but that's not until he comes back, which if you're dead, I don't know if like it's like an instantaneous thing. Like you just wake up and you're already there. I don't really know how that works. It's not like a dream, I don't think. But, you know. Um, and then the last one is uh, – this one's kind of tough for some people is that uh, – is that – yeah, uh, just in the same way that universalism believes that uh, hell doesn't exist, there is 
people out there that believe that there is no there is no afterlife there is nothing that's it that's it it's you die and we got a one chance and you're done that's it you're done and that's it if you're done that's it you don't know you're done so who cares and atheists even though they don't believe in jesus christ or they don't believe in this like afterlife stuff their response to that is very similar to those that are the that are of the christian faith that believe it's like this is it this is all there is and i'm okay with that right and that's what a lot of atheists are um is just like hey like i i'm happy with my life and that's okay um, and that's how they end that thing. So um, those are the three that I would say are the most popular for heaven. Did I miss any? I don't know. No, I think that's I think that's about right. Okay. All right. So let's uh, – we're now going to take a commercial break. I'm Ricky Bobby. And if you like hunting knives as much as I do, you got to have yourselves the eviscerator. Hi, I'm Ricky Bobby. One of my fondest childhood memories is sitting on the back porch enjoying a whole mess of pork rinds. But I can't eat them the way I used to. But thanks to Bob Dawson's, I can eat as much as I want. Bob Dawson's diet pork rinds. Mmm, that's a good pork rind. And we're back. I managed to dehydrate, I rehydrate, and grab another. You grabbed uh, the other beer. I did. I got it for you. I don't want the to. other thirty percent. No, it's 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 Ooh. another fifteen percent on top of the to get us. Yeah, see, my maths are all off already. Okay, so I think we've established. The parameters of the discussion, good, kind of where people at the church has been. Okay, so let's we'll start getting into what you and I think about things. How about that? Okay. Uh, so for we'll start with hell. I am not an an boy an <laughs> an annihilationist. Oh, I thought you were going to say I am not Ananias. I am not Ananias. Oh, thank goodness. I'm not I am here. not Amadeus. Boof. <laughs> I am not an annihilationist. Are you an annihilationist? No, I'm not. Uh, I am not a hellfire and brimstone eternal conscious tormentor. Are you that? No, I'm not. Okay, so let's deal with universalism. Because neither, neither one of us are pure universalists. We're, we're probably somewhere... Right, near right. that, though, of the three, using three crude descriptions, we're closer to that, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, you go first. We'll start there. You go first. Okay. So the universal. Uh, so you you gave a good stipulation to universalism. There's the there's the universalism that Jesus died and just everything saved. N- neither one of us believe that. That's just nonsense. Correct. And someone might actually believe that listening to this right, podcast right, is Christian. Right. And I'm sorry, I called you. It's nonsense. I do believe it's nonsense, but it doesn't mean you're going to hell. You're going to hell because you're listening to this podcast. You're <laughs> yeah. not going to hell because <laughs> you believe in nihilism. So, uh, universalism. We would not say that Jesus died on the cross and everything is saved, correct? That's not the universalism I'm talking about. I don't think it's the one you're talking about. There is what is quote unquote called universalism. That also does not call call it that. You want me to describe what that looks like? And it's actually got a uh, history going back to the early church. Yeah, I just finished my first beer, so I'm like not exactly like you're giving. You're me, not quite tracking. You're me. giving me leading questions, and I'm like, wait, what? Hold on. Um, I just gonna, I'll just start talking. And getting you cur- can I'm like... getting curveballs here. Okay. So, 
Acts chapter three. Okay. I'm really look. If I was, if I had not not had had not any beers, <laughs> if I had not had any beer, I would still not be able to pronounce this word. It's apocatastasis. Amadeus. <laughs> uh, it's a Greek word that's used in Acts chapter three, the restitution of all things. Anyway, uh, the word apparently means the restitution of all things. Gotcha. And it's used a couple times in the New Testament, uh, in particular Acts three twenty one. And so people take that to mean Jesus died on the cross, everything's everything's restored. Uh, and it was a traditional view of in the early church. I'm not saying it was the only view in the church, but it was a very mainstream traditional view of the church. It was believed by a lot of the main uh, early church fathers. Yes. Uh, so it was this specific view of universalism was also my understanding argued by Karl Barth, who's a a theologian I really enjoy. My parents both studied them at Fuller Theological Seminary, which in no way endorses this podcast. Although, actually, they're pretty liberal, so they probably would. Uh, so, he was a believer of this apocatastasis uh, <laughs> view of uh, heaven and hell. And so, he, so he said... He hoped for, he hoped for the view of universalism. All right, he hoped for it, which is what I do. Right, and we'll get. I think you and I will both agree why we worry about that view personally. Right, and 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 for the church because then it leads to laziness. We'll get that into a minute, but we hope for that because we want we want. I don't think it's. I don't want to live in a Christianity. Frankly, like Martin Luther, where he viewed it as, oh, the, the only the few elect were good enough to be called to be believers and everyone else is going to go to hell. I don't want to live in that world. Right. And frankly, at the end of the day, it's up to God to d determine anyway. But that's not if God wants to sit me down and say, that's not how these things work when I when I do get to heaven or whatever. Fine. I don't want to live in that world. Right. And I don't think it's wrong. Um, but then he also called the eternal hell an impossible possibility. All right. And what he meant by that was it's possible that hell is eternal. Right. That's perfectly possible. One, because God's God he can do whatever he wants to do. At the end of the day, if we believe in Jesus, we believe in God. God makes up the rules. And if you don't believe that Jesus died on the cross... Or if you do believe that Jesus died on the cross, you do have to believe in the language that's described also in the New Testament of bowing down, bowing down, knee on your knee, and saying, "You are the Maker of heaven and earth. You are the Creator." Which we talked about last episode is hard for people these days because we don't we don't live in that world. We live in a world where I'm King, and I elect the guy that I give all my power to, and if he doesn't do what I want to do, then I get to vote that guy out because I'm power, I'm in control, and I determine my world. That is a big church word again, anathema to us. That is not the world we live in. Right, and it's the prophet Isaiah that goes before God, right? Um, 
in one of his visions and he asks for a hot coal to be brought to his mouth um, to just deal with the sheer awe of God um, in his explanation of what he's seeing. Right. So, so it's possible a, a, a permanent eternal hell exists. We are not. I am. I'm going to speak for myself. We're not the part where I'm. We're speaking for each other. So I'm going to speak for myself. That is possible. I fully admit that that's possible, and it might that might be the way that God set up this world. But I also, I find it impossible because Jesus did die on the cross, and Jesus talks about in one of his parables of saving the one out of the ninety nine. And also turning away to where the older brother, we fixate the, 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 the parable of the, of the son, the, the, the prodigal, prodigal son. son. The older son does everything by Jesus' own parable. He does everything he's supposed to do. He follows all the rules. And yet it's when the deadbeat shows up and says... I screwed up. I need your help. The one who gets into trouble at the end of the story is the guy who followed all the rules. The older son. And why is that, though? The father gets upset with him. But why? Because he says, I did all the things. Because he does not accept the, the, the love that the father lavishes on the deadbeat. Yeah, he's selfish at the end of the day. He's selfish at the end of the day, but he's also... And does he show love towards his brother? He doesn't. Exactly. It's, I don't show love, mercy, forgiveness towards my brother the same way that my father did. Instead, I think about myself and me. I've been here. I've done everything that you've asked me to do. And yet you just let this guy come back in here after all. And don't Christians do the same when we say I've done all the rules and I followed you and I've still and I've not only followed you, but I've done my best to follow the Ten Commandments and I've done this and that. And you're telling me that after all this, this jackass at some point can go to heaven like I do. Well, and that's and I'll open the bag of worms for you. I'll do it. So you want me to do it? I'll do it. Well, let me just let me get it out. Let me just get it out of the way. So my view of heaven, my view of heaven and hell is. It's it. I don't know what it is. I think it's a place. I think it's a place we are incapable of understanding. We might in like six episodes from now get into God in the multiverse, which would be a much more playful episode than this. But uh, I'm I am a big believer in the multiverse because. I think that's something physics has brought. So anyway, I think it's something we bumble our way, particularly in the Bible, but just even now today with our infinite more understanding of the universe, we know we know now more, even though we know now more about the universe than we did 50 years ago, the amount of information we don't understand about the universe has is now wider than it was 50 years ago. Am I, make, am I being clear there? Oh, yeah. We, we now, yeah. even though we know more than we ever know, we now know less. Right. So okay. the more we keep sucking in about the universe, it's like, okay, this just keeps raising questions. So all that to say, 
I don't know what heaven and hell is. I don't frankly give a funk what it is. It's something. We'll find out what it is. What I do know is whatever heaven is, is not a one-time thing where we on this earth get to, we get one choice, we get one chance. I don't know how many chances there are after this physical, I don't know what it is, but this isn't the only, this isn't the only chance. Right. And if we wanted to get in Revelation, which we might do in another podcast. I, I mean, it's on the schedule. It's on the schedule, but God, we'll have to definitely like six of these. Good Lord. It talks about it. That's not outside of the realm. I mean, that's literally talked about of people having another chance. And it's also talked about people who apparently know who God is. According, if we read Revelation, at some point, a kingdom is created and God's on top of it. And everybody who believes in God is help helping run it and help all those who don't know who God is, know who God is. And people still go, F you, God, I don't believe in you or you're not a ruler of me. So uh, I could still see at the end of the day people like in another in another life in a spiritual life, look in the face of God, so to speak, and say, yeah, F you, God, I still don't like you. So that's perfectly possible, too. All that to say, I don't believe this is the only choice. That's my view. We We get multiple choices after this. So my view on hell is... So my view on hell is... I tend to look at the script, um, and and what is it that I know, right? Um, The cracking of the fifteen percenter is we. uh, Yeah, exactly. Uh, Is looking at um, the text. What is Jesus trying to say in in those parts where he's talking about it? Like we talked about the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. What is he talking about? Um, And this is where it's important. Um, it's actually super important. And I think that it's really awesome that you bring up the prodigal son. Um, and the reason why the prodigal son is so important, um, and it's one of the best parables. It is. And it's all, and it's also, I think what you're going to get to, it's the most mis taught parable in the, in the church. For sure. And, and here's the thing. And and I don't even think I'm going to get into that whole, like, it's mistaught or anything. But here's something that's important when under It's not taught. The other side of it's not taught enough. How about I put it that way? Is to understand hell. You have to understand that hell is what the, the prodigal son went through. Okay? So, understanding hell is... And, and the reason why I'm emphasizing that is... He's out there, he's eating pig, he's eating with the pigs, right? Understanding what the context behind that is, right? If you know Jews, you know that pigs are not even worthy of eating. Right. Right, so to tell this parable and say that this guy is eating with pigs, okay? Jews aren't even allowed to own them. There's nothing that they do for them. And he's relegated eating the the food that the pigs are eating. that That the pigs are eating. So understanding how low he has stooped. 
But here's also something that's important throughout it. And this is where hell kind of gets that connection to the prodigal son story. Is hell is self-induced. And that's why when you talk about, you know, we have choices and we have this stuff. It is, you have, the prodigal son talks about, he thought about returning to his father's home. You know, or, or and this is when he, and the, the famous line is, he came to his senses. Right? Yeah. And eventually goes back to his father. Now we have an instance in the Old Testament where somebody doesn't come to their senses. And they continue to do bad things. And this is the Pharaoh. Um, when Moses keeps coming to him and he continues to harden his own heart, right? It's not, God doesn't harden his heart until like the fourth or fifth plague. Yeah, no, and there's and there's language similar in the New Testament where it's it's it, it's basically it's God is like all right, I've given you every chance, and you've given me the middle finger, and so here you go, and it's not even he's done with you. No, he just knows he knows relinquishes you from his protection. Correct, and that is and that's what's important about what you talked about when Jesus uses this word about this city that is outside of Jerusalem. Again, understanding the context, Jerusalem is the holy city. If you are in within the city limits of Jerusalem, you are with God. You're on you're with God. You're in the city on the hill. But instead, you are down in the valley with the bodies and the discarded garbage and trash. That is this this area that is just disgusting and gross. And this is a world that you live in on earth, in my opinion. Okay, So this is a place that you have put yourself in. Hell, this place of weeping and gnashing of teeth is this place where you have rejected God. And you are living in hell in the context of you have been removed from God's grace and his... Um, and his love and his affection towards you. And there are people that are still able to have very prosperous lives lives um, by, by your standards or by our standards, even though they are living lives that are not necessarily within God's graces. They are sitting there and they're flipping God the bird and that kind of stuff. And, and that is, you know, that's what's going to happen. Um, it's not like you get to sit there. This isn't a karma um, way of looking at the world. No, and I'm not arguing for uh, reincarnation either. That we get like five like physical ch- cracks at this. Isaiah walked the streets of <laughs> of you know uh, it was it wasn't I don't think it was Jerusalem at the time, but he walks the streets um, naked. Right. And he's walking the streets completely naked and saying that this is how you are going to be. You are going to be this exposed. He keeps talking about it. The the Israelites have taken idols into their home. They've they've done all these things that are against the the laws of the second of the Old Testament. Right. And then there are generations that were born and died during the time between Nebuchadnezzar coming in and conquering them. And those people lived outside of God's will and they still didn't experience the hell that the people experienced when Nebuchadnezzar came in. Well, okay, but let's rewind that Moses delivers 
the Israelites. Right. We can argue about the parting of the Red Sea, but, but I think something supernatural happened. Yeah. They're delivered. The text is clear. These are people who still believe in Yahweh. Right. And even if we want to look at this from an anthropological viewpoint, they're going to look at this as God did this, right? Right. Even if something supernatural, even if something natural occurred. Everything we know about people in that time, during that time, would have looked at that and said, this is a supernatural thing that happened. That's what's always left out about these discussions everybody, by modern scholars. Everybody in that time would have said that this was supernatural. This was supernatural. So, whether it happened or not, the story is they're now wandering through the desert and they start complaining. Right. These are people who literally lived through the miracle. Right. Or what they think is a miracle, if you take that viewpoint. And they're already complaining. Ah. God, he shit on us. He's not doing anything. What's with the what's with the same food that he's creating every They're day? They're literally getting bread, bread from, from the heaven, sky. From the right? sky. Like, it's like, what's with this manna? I'm I'm so over it. So they've literally encountered God, and there are so that that in that's the story of. Was that your Jewish impression? That was. <laughs> talks amongst you. That was my Mike Myers from early uh, Saturday Night Live. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm the klept. Um, I thought you were George Costanza, honestly. George Costanza. Been, uh, Larry David. Um, yeah, but it's just you've seen what God can do, and you're like first generation already like, damn, nah, I'm, I'm over it. This is, this is, can I get can I get some nice? Can, can I get into some red snapper here? <laughs> can, can I get some chicken? Out in the middle of the desert, they're just like, come on. Um, which is also, there are scholars that talk about that with the flood. They've extrapolated out the generations between. If you let's let's just say let's sure, stipulate yeah. that you take Adam literally. Right. The By right. the time we get to Noah. And based on what, All how long humanity. people were leaving, how long people were living, you were old enough to basically Adam was like a great great grandpappy or something that somebody knew, right. right? Right. And you're already to the point where everybody has fully murder and mayhem God. is such a thing that God's like, I'm done with you guys. Right. Which then adds to the whole perspective of, yeah, He's done with you. You're like you're just a couple of generations from creation, and you're like, yeah, f the old the old man. We don't really care. I'm gonna do whatever the hell I want to do. And he's and and I mean, if we're parents, and you got, I mean, what grandparent has a kid, you know, great grand grandchildren coming over and like you know tearing up the house? He's like, you can come over when they're perfectly behaving, but no, that ain't gonna happen. You know, right. You're no longer in my or life. act as if I'm your more to the point. Act as if I'm your grandparent to respect and love. Right. And so back to the prodigal son and back to the prodigal son from the standpoint of again. And I've heard this analogy before um, is that hell is almost again. It's it is this 
place on earth that you put yourself in. Correct. And again, here's the thing is, is if any of you are listening and you're like, well, I know somebody who just openly just says, yeah, fuck God, like, you know, and, and just constantly curses him or whatever. And that is appalling to you and that kind of stuff. And you see that happen and that's disgusting to you and you hope some bad thing will happen to them or whatever, I wouldn't hold your breath. Right. But, and and I mean, like, and what you're hoping for that's bad for them, and I mean, even they may say out loud that their life's great, they've got a lot of things going for them, they're a lock and key. Hell is... Hell is a place that you put yourself in. It's you, where you, it, yeah, correct. it is a door that is locked from the inside that you have purposefully locked and you are keeping God out. So I have a, I have a pastor friend. He's my parents' age. So he's, he's older. And he, he preached one Sunday on what hell was. And when he when he said it, I don't I don't agree with it necessarily. But I wouldn't say he's wrong either, if that makes sense. And he basically said hell is Whatever your vice is, you you're allowed you're then he because he believes in the eternity view and I don't right, but right. that's you for eternity and knowing like my thing is I'm gonna be an alcoholic and that's just you like Groundhog Day like every day like I'm gonna get whew, that's pretty bad now. I think what's even more powerful is what C.S. Lewis, and we're both C.S. Lewis fans, how he defined hell. Because his was a lot more subtle, but still makes the point. His was you getting up every day and getting frustrated, angry, put off to where every day these little things keep building and building and building because you're put off frustrated upset because and it just then takes over your life and then and that's hell right and i think c.s lewis came up with that from again if you read mere christianity you get a lot of this kind of like domino effect where he leads you through how do we get to this point and to where you are at this place of hell where you are removed from god's graces where god has and if you read C.S. Lewis and what we've talked about a couple times where this is our moral standard and we're used to it um, in westernized society. So for those of you that are atheists listening to this podcast, congratulations. You have benefited from living in a western society where uh, Christians have dictated your laws and Correct. They, they decide what you're And if you are an atheist and you're interested in Christianity, start with C.S. Lewis. I think it's the most accessible, accessible modern. Oh, 100%. So. And also – Mere Christianity, for those of you that haven't read it, like three to four page chapters. like it, Quick chapters. Because it started initially as a radio show. Correct. So like that's what it – and he just kind of expanded on some of those thoughts. But anyways, when it comes to this idea of hell, you have he, – he, he went down this domino effect of just like, okay, so like this is what happens. And eventually he gets to these are emotions that humans regularly feel Correct. according to the scriptures that are not in line with God. Correct. Now, don't get me wrong. God gets angry. God gets jealous. God gets right. Like we see that. But what are the actions? You know, like what are what is it that we do? Do we harm other people when we do this? 
And so that's that's what's important. Um, and, and looking at that and our behaviors and what it is that we continue to do. Do you remember what his description of it was in Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe books? I'm going to make me go that far back. Hell in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You mean with – that would be – The dwarves or the or the trolls? The dwarves, I think. There's a depiction of the dwarves, I think it is, and they just – they're gluttons. They're basically just – they just do whatever. I believe you. I'm which not... is which is kind of a description of also hell of just, and some of you might be listening to that and saying, well, "That sounds great to me." Others, others of you, on the older brother side of the prodigal son, might be saying, "Well, that's you and Colton as you drink your fifteen percent beer." <laughs> it's delicious. We are gluttons for our beer. So the, the names in the podcast. Oh, I'll praise Dust Bowl. <laughs> yeah. I okay. So I I said mine was not we we get way more choices chances than uh, than we think. So what's yours? What what's mine your? Mine is a tangible on Earth model. I say that I don't know if an actual hell exists. That's my argument. I'm saying that what happens in this. What Jesus is talking about, what the scriptures is talking about, I'm not saying that, well, I am saying that according to scriptures, I don't know if there actually is a hell. Okay, so you're you're agnostic about it. Or you're just not sure. I, I Agnostic's just don't, not correct. And that again, just means you don't care. And again, we, uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. There's one other circumstance where Jesus is talking about um, heaven and hell. And I don't know what to do with this passage. People are like, well, you just accept it and you just do with it. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do with it. Like, can we accept that Jesus says a lot of things? I wouldn't say they're contradictory, but if, there, there's if different pe- things. If people know what to do with this passage, I congratulations. Right. Because here's what I got. Feel free to email us. Is you have this story about the rich man and his servant, right? And the rich man gives the servant the scraps off the table right and then it says that they die okay so now now we have legitimately delved into so jesus talks about this the kingdom of heaven this is where we go never talks about death okay they talk about wow. they Colton's going deep in the jesus parables they talk about the rich man passes on mm-hmm. okay he's dead and what it talks about is he looks up and he sees his servant sitting there at the table with Jesus, and he is parched. He's he wants he's thirsty. He wants something, and so the servant he begs him for just a drip off of his finger to quench his thirst. What do I do with that? <laughs> You know, what do I do? A lot of people have equated that verse to the to kind of what you said, where you say you have multiple chances. So people go to – there's almost like this holding ground. Right. Um, which people call purgatory. Um, for those of you that don't understand, a lot of people associate purgatory with death. Uh, or with or with uh, the fiery hell right, right. area. That's, that's not necessarily it. But we would – for some people, they believe that where he's at is – purgatory 
So he's there and he's like, I'm so thirsty. I see all of the love and affection that you are getting up here. Give me just a drip of that something. And it says that he has passed on. He's dead. What do you do with that? He says, like, okay, well, well, now I got to go back to the drawing board, you know, on this whole situation. Because, because when we look at the kingdom of heaven and we look at what Jesus is talking about, it's very much he wants you to take action now. Right. Um, and that this is something that you're doing now. This is something that should exist in this world. All right. So we're at 115. So let's wrap this up. Are we wrapping this up right now? Well, I, I, you're bringing up a point. I think we need to wrap it up. We or haven't we... even talked about heaven yet. <laughs> Who cares about heaven? Uh, you don't, but I do. We've got like a full beer to drink. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's like we'll, we'll make it a this, long episode this week. This, this does bring up uh, your whole prodigal son thing, though. No, that was you. You brought up the prodigal son. I know, but you delved into it. I, I'm, I'm glad you did, but... the. It, there's so much. The prodigal son is the perfect Sunday school uh, parable because most of us just spend our time at a very superficial level doing the prodigal son of, oh, yeah, uh, Jesus, God is the father and we believe and then and that's it. And Jesus loves us. And that's the whole thing. There's a lot more to that parable, particularly for those of us who are believers and followers of Jesus, because we quickly turn into the older brother, because then we decide all the things that we don't like. That's not allowed. That guy did that thing or that gal did that thing and that shouldn't be allowed. Are you telling me you're going to allow that person who did X, Y and Z? To be a follower of Jesus? The, no, hell no. I don't subscribe to that. I did all the things you said I should do. Right? That turns into prodigal son. Right. The prodigal son at most churches should be taught from the point of view of the father talking to the older son. Right. And what we do is talk about, that's what you do at the Billy Graham crusade when you're trying to attract new believers. But at the church, it is, no, you're the older son. Right. Everybody's the older son. Also, now, to counter what we were talking about last week, there's a little unpleasantness, unpleasantness there too, though, because for those of us who are little, we have questions about like, well, what the hell happens to the people who never heard about Jesus? The prodigal son. That parable suggests, I mean, it doesn't suggest, it's very clear. The younger son is saved because he's like, I love you. I believe you. Yeah. And the older son's like, what the hell are you talking about? I've done everything you told me to do. I've, I've done the fields. I've managed your money. I haven't been a drunkard and a hoe, and a hoe, male hoe like this guy. And I've followed all your rules. And now you're telling me I don't get like he's getting first, first cut, first, first, all of the best things for a big old party. I follow all the rules. Well, that makes it a little difficult for all of us who are a little uncomfortable about the idea of good people following all the rules that God talks about. And I was a good person. 
what do you mean? I, I did all the things. I didn't slander people. I. So. That one's well, a difficult one. Well, and as. Actually, and I've gone totally off topic because Colton no, had to no, go no. to the bathroom. No, I think. Okay. Just so we're clear. I think that that's actually a good point, And I wanted to make this point earlier. And especially when we talk about the universalists. Is that something that. That you will have to come to grips with. For those of you that are sitting there and you're like, this is making a lot of sense to me. And and again, Tim said earlier that we don't believe this. But we've talked about in previous podcasts that we've flirted with universalism. Like it's, Correct. It is very much something that we that we don't believe in because we there's nothing at stake. I don't I I don't want to believe anybody Well let's 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 well, stipulate this from a human standpoint. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to believe anybody who doesn't think they're redeemable isn't redeemed. And I guess that's where I'm at. Where I'm at. But, but I'm even at a place. You know, if uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna piss a lot of people off, particularly if you're Jewish or half Jewish. If Hitler dies and realizes the sins sins he's committed, like really does. I'd rather live in that universe than the one that says not only him, but people with lesser sins go to hell. But that's just me. And yeah. I'm I'm not God. Well, and I, I was going to get there because I was like, so here's the, again, kind of one of the hard things about being an English teacher was I had to read Night this last year with my sophomores. And I'm just reading from Ellie Wassell's perspective. And uh, Ellie Wassell passed on in 2018, I think. Um, uh, for those of you on the podcast, if you have never read the book Night, um, I've never encouraged this about such a dark piece of literature before. Um, but please sit down, read it. A first-person account of what the horrors of the Holocaust was um, and the horrors of he was shipped straight to Auschwitz. Um, There's an entire generation of Jews, European Jews who don't believe in God because of what happened. And And, and I, as a, as a fellow human cannot condemn them at all for that. I am fine saying that's up for God, but also part of me is when that happens, there's got to be some kind of one. Well, as and again, I, as a teacher, I had to read it. I had to read it three times. I had to read every chapter three times, and honestly, like I'm kind of getting a little emotional about it because it was it was very traumatic for me to, especially to read as a teacher. I read it when I was a sophomore in high school, and I was like, okay, whatever. And But now as a teacher to read it, uh, you, you almost weep Yeah. every time you read. Um, and just, I've known Jews who are children during World War II who are atheists because of that. And, and so, find it as a, as a fellow human, I find it un—I'm not capable of judging them because of that. Right, and then if you watch Schindler's List, which our group has talked about, you will watch it once, 
can't watch that it visual time. visualizes that mentality of I get it, I understand, and and the reason why I bring this up and why I bring up night and why I bring up this is that I remember Ellie being very much, you know, these are people that are beyond redemption. And I think for a lot of our culture, a lot of us would put Hitler beyond redemption. If you only knew the, the crimes against humanity that he, that he did or whatever. And I, and I do not, and I don't think that you do. So for anybody on this podcast that's listening, and if you're Jewish or whatever, I don't want you to sit there and think that, you know, we're anti-Semitic. No. Or that um, that Tim is downplaying, trust me, it was gross, nasty, and that's why we use him as the highest extreme. When Tim uses the word, when he says Hitler... He knows what he's saying, and he knows what that means to say that universalism means that Jesus died on the cross for his sins as much as he died on the cross for mine. Okay, can I flip? Are you flipping? I'm cutting. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm cutting you off, but I'm gonna flip it too. I was like, dang, are you? Are you gonna jump ship on me here? I'm I just flip. backed you up. <laughs> you did. You backed me up. Because, because, and thank you for doing that. <laughs> But I'm going to bring up a modern counter to that. Okay. Which isn't necessarily a counter to what I was saying. It's not a counter to universalism. It's right. not. Right. It's actually a counter to the pro- – it's actually a counter to what the prodigal son is, which is it. you're not saved by the things you do. It, you are saved by the relationship. relationship. The story from the prodigal son is – you did the things I told you to do, but you don't have a personal relationship with me. Right. You don't view me as the father that you can live without. Right. And the son who shits his life away and then says, I cannot live without this father. Right. He is the one who is rewarded. Right. And the, other, and the one who says, I did all the things. And the father's like, you didn't love me unequivocally and 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 just love me for who I am. So the so the counter to that is about twenty years ago. Uh if you know about the Holocaust, hopefully you know about the killing fields of Cambodia. Please, please know about those. Killing killing fields of Cambodia are awful. Two, three, four million Cambodians are just liquidated by horrible, by Pol Pot and his horrible people. One of those high, one of those individuals who is high up and admits that he was part of that liquidation became a Christian. All right, this is gonna this is gonna become a discussion difficult for everybody. One hundred percent. Becomes a Christian. He is put on trial by the war uh, international, I think, international court or something. Right. And he is not even contesting them putting him on trial. He is admitting, I did everything and I submit to what you're putting me on trial for. All he is saying, all he is saying is, 
I'm guilty of everything I did. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And I'm sorry for everything I did. And even Christians would not forgive him for what he did. Mind you, these are Christians who were not actually in Cambodia. These are right, right. probably mostly Western Christians. So that's not actually them to forgive. Right. But even if you're, look, I get it if you're Cambodian and you're like, to hell with that guy. I don't believe it. I think we're called to do that, but I think even God understands. I get it. But if you're like Joe Sixpack from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and you're like like full-blooded Scandinavian, and you're like, to hell with that guy. That that guy's not, I don't believe in that. That's not what my Lutheranism, Lutheranism teaches me. I'm sorry. We're sorry to Joe Sixpack out there. Joe Sixpack, you got a problem. <laughs> I think that... Because that is the ultimate version of Jesus died on the cross for you. You, this guy didn't. He didn't deny what he did. He didn't. He fully admitted it. He said, "Whatever the court decides, I will." All he wanted was his fellow believers to say, "I accept you're a believer." That's all he was asking for. One, one. Here's something that I'm gonna. Is that not the older brother? <laughs> Younger brother. No, the older brother. He didn't oh, know all the we're, things. Oh, we're we're the older. Brother. We're the older oh, brother. Okay, okay. He didn't I do like, what I, I wanted like, to do. I think he's the younger brother. No, he didn't do what I wanted to do. He he murdered a bunch of million people before he got to do it. That doesn't count the same. I'm sorry, it counts the same. He is the very extreme rare, very extreme rare. Because as you were talking about before with with Pharaoh, I do believe nine times out of ten. Once you surrender yourself to sin, and if we believe in Satan, Satan, that's it. You've surrendered yourself over. There's no coming back. I do believe that, too. You have surrendered yourself over. I am all in for other than that guy. Yeah. But when we see the moment where the guy says, I did what I did, I'm guilty of it. I will take whatever punishment and I feel horrible about it. And the church says to hell with you. We don't, we're not buying it. It's not genuine enough. What are we doing? Well, I mean, this podcast is going to go out on the internet and everybody's going to hear it on a regular basis. But I think that, uh, if you're Cambodian or Thai, I don't blame you. No, you live through it. No, I'm, that's not my point that I'm saying here. I'm saying I think that people in the United States are willing to do this on a regular basis with a mass majority of people, right? Um, you know. That's true. Shit, hap- shit hits the fan, and all of a sudden, we're out. I was like, it could be anything. People are beyond redemption in our country. You cannot be redeemed we don't believe in the prodigal son. We believe that we believe that they locked themselves in hell five Correct. Year, five years ago. When you said this. the N word at fourteen on Twitter, and you're done. 
Exactly. And and here's the thing, and that's where again it it leads into into my perception of hell where it is or and again I say my perception because we have difference of opinions on this. I don't necessarily think that it is this this world that um that you that you go after you die. I believe it's this world that you create for yourself where you lock yourself in. But here's the thing is that the shitty part right now is that Christians, at least in Western culture or in the United States, are holding the doors shut. Correct. So they have locked themselves in there. But if they want to sit there and say, I made a mistake, I fucked up. Again, there's not going to be any bleeps, so you're going to have to deal with me saying I fucked no, up. It's, it's, I, I fucked up, it's and so they they are trying to unlock the door, and Christians are holding the doors Correct. closed. I don't want to let any more people in. I don't want to let the any plane more is full. Exactly, and so it, it is, is neo. It is heartbreaking um, to see that happen because there are people that are that are that have amazing capabilities, amazing talent, people that are that are able to redeem themselves. I once this almost seems ridiculous. Some people on this podcast may may laugh at me for this. I used to have a job where I shook trees. Um, I was a shaker. Um, I would go out into the country at 4 a.m. and I would have to drive like an hour and a half so I'd have to be out at, by 2:30 out of my home. I have to be at the at the orchard at 4 a.m. and I would shake trees till 10 o'clock at night and then I have to go and do it all again. I would go out there um, at 4 a.m. but I would drive past this this prison that was on our way out there so it was out in Corcoran, California. We would go out there and I drove by it one day and I just immediately it was the weirdest thing that came over me. Um, and I can't explain it to anybody that's never experienced this. Um, I immediately started to um, get teary-eyed um, and get extremely sad over this situation that was happening um, in Corcoran Prison. And everybody in the car, because I was transporting a couple of guys who were shakers with me, they were like, Colton, what's wrong? And I was like, those guys in there. I just think about them and the fact that they made mistakes and they don't ever get to come back from them, right? Like they, they have to sit in those cells and they don't get to go out and experience life anymore. There are people inside those walls that will never ever get to experience the beauty of life outside of those walls ever again. And that's tragic. That's sad. Um, and I understand, listen, I understand that in order enough for you not to be able to leave those prison walls, that you raped somebody, that you killed somebody, that or you killed or raped multiple people. I get that. But it still makes me sad that there are people inside those walls that are not able to be able to experience the beauty and the life that God has given them besides within those walls of Corcoran Prison. I, I literally was crying. You should. And someone <laughs> someone who was our music pastor at our previous church, who we wouldn't agree to on anything probably sure. theologically, he was a prison 
He believed in the prison ministry at Corcoran. I mean, that's the one thing that I love about that guy. Yeah. He's just like, I don't care what you did. I'm going to show up. And if you show up to meet with me, I'm going to love on you. Right. And it, and that's the thing about what our response to be for those that have locked themselves. That's what dying to oneself a lot of times is, is I find what you X did repugnant and you got sent to jail. I want to sit there and be the older brother. But I want to be the one like you can go to hell and never be. And I have to be you have to be the one. It's look, I think in the kingdom of God, it's fine if you're the spouse or whatever the the father you should be the father scott peterson was one of those who got sent to corcoran prison famous case from the 80s or 90s or whatever killed supposedly you know looks like he killed his wife if you're scott if you're scott peterson's father-in-law and you think that guy should go to hell i am not gonna judge you because you are so torn up about that that is perfectly human even if he's a believer i understand that I understand that is not your position. Look, if you, if you like blow everyone's mind and say you killed my daughter, right, and I still love you as a follower of Jesus, you've now won like the Pope Award for the year, right. But I don't expect you to do that. I expect you to be bitter about it. But I still expect people who are not tied to that to come in and say, brother, I think you did what you did. And you need to own up to it. Right. And when you do, it'll unearth all kinds of guilt. And on the other side, everything's going to be all right. Right. And people are still going to hate on you because they don't believe in redemption. They believe one thing determines your whole world. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's just... It's one dude, and that's Jesus who determines. And if he thinks you feel really bad about it, and you spend the whole rest of your life in, as a prisoner of Corcoran or whatever prison trying to, I mean, there's still going to be that. That right. will work with you. Well, and I think that, and again, you've been an advocate from this from the second that we started this topic, was that if you are somebody that has been a victim or your your race your religion has been a victim of these particular situations we don't blame you no for having reservations for having animosity towards these certain types if you got skin in if you've got skin in whatever game that game is right I don't blame you for being like we don't. I'm working through that, brother. I'm I'm working through it. And, and I, I was like, you don't even have to admit that you're working through it. No, but yeah, you're like to hell with that. I think God can understand that. And God says that honestly. Absolutely. Like when, when God says that there's a lot of stuff that Jesus talks about where it's like go work on yourself. Correct. Right? Like go focus on this. Just allow the guy who doesn't have skin in the game or the gal to go work on those things. Right. Let them go love on them. That is not your job. No. You are not supposed to be the – oh, boy. 
the Pennsylvania Dutch who got shot up. Uh, oh, I don't know that guy. Off the top no, no, of the head. the group of people. Uh, I I just don't know him off the top of my head. Oh shoot, boy! Now now we're fifty thirty percent alcohol after two beers is now kicking in. We had the school shooting in the early two thousands. Oh boy. School shooting, early 2000s. Uh, We're not talking about Columbine. Amish. The Amish. Oh, right. The Amish right. school. Oh, got, and the, we talked about this. We did. Uh, now, look. That is like superhero, like Batman, Superman. Like, you killed our kids and we're still, still willing to forgive you. That is like, no one lives up to that. And we should. We should strive for that. We should. And that and it was a great moment because I think even the non-believer was like, "Really, you're going to forgive that asshole for taking a gun and shooting up their school?" And but that we need more of those. But that doesn't if you're not there. That doesn't mean it's possible. That doesn't mean time. it's possible. And if you're not there, someone else in that's why we have the kingdom of God. Right. Someone else in the kingdom is going to say, "Look, don't worry about him or her. They're hurting. They should hurt. You'd hurt if you were them." If you believe in what if you believe in what we're teaching you, you would be angry. You would be hurt by what you did to them, right? Yeah. The, they're turning the other cheek. They're refusing to turn the other cheek. You'd be that way too, right? If you killed their brother or sister or exactly. or, or or spouse. And if you're if you're a new believer who's now decided that you're I'm not going to follow this way. I'm not going to be a, a gang member. You're like, yeah, I totally get. That's not the person whose forgiveness I'm trying to work on. Right. But you need to work on this. Absolve yourself. Admit to the rest of the world. I have not done that. I, I, I admit what I did. It was totally wrong. And now I've, I agree, agree to this. Right. And so to wrap this up at one hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> Jeez Louise. I don't know where we go. But you and, and you and I, I think we minorly differ. We, I think at the end of the day, both of us find the whole discussion of where we go after kind of nonsense. Yeah. Probably a little more demonstrative than you are. The whole point of it is the kingdom of God is now. It's now. So if you've got a friend and they've aggrieved someone else or vice versa, don't tell them, oh, you know, just whatever, Jesus. No, but you just be like, it's all right. right. I'll, I'm going to step in the way. Or maybe quietly just say, look, we'll, we'll keep working on them. Yeah, maybe there's some redemption there. And if they say, I don't care about redemption, that's fine. That's fine. Or if you've got a friend who's done something to somebody else, keep keep working on redemption. I don't think they're ever going to forgive me. I think they just want you to ask. I just think you. they just want you to say, will you forgive me? And you know what? When they do, it'll release you and it'll release them. That's the kingdom of heaven. That's that's right now. Pe Blessed are the peacemakers.
Yeah, and I and I think that. And I think that we've talked about it a little bit where it's just, guys, I cannot stress enough that the afterlife, that whole idea that we've been trying to establish for. This is a great point. Yeah, let's wrap this up with this. Absolutely. This is a great point. For millennia. But, but particularly in the last, I would say, 50, 70 years, we are fixated on the afterlife. Fixated on the afterlife. Dispensationalism and all this other stuff, which we didn't really get into, but absolutely. I, I honestly feel like this tonight's Who podcast the has, cares? To, has to be like a two-parter. Yeah. Is there's this idea of we've got you've got this platonic idea of this heaven and hell you've got what do i have to do to attain this there there is so much pressure and especially uh, and i as coming from a youth pastor standpoint i know how much pressure is on teenagers um to sit there and i have to go through my life i have to be sexually abstinent i have to um <laughs> like swearing is like a huge thing I have to, I mean, like, I have to be against gay marriage. I, you, like, yeah. I have to be against gay marriage. You know, I have to be a champion for that. Go back to podcast two and like six for that one. Um, you know, I, uh, I have to be a champion for this and for this and for that and for that. Okay. But ultimately I'm doing all of this. Cause I'm the older brother in the prodigal son story to earn. Yep. My father's affection. Yep. But in the prodigal son story, the father's affection is not earned. It's not. No. We are not doing this to earn our sanctification. We are not doing this to earn ourselves away from damnification. We should be doing what we do because we love other people. If the brother would have sat there and he said, I love that my brother is home. He's finally back with us. If he would have had the same exact response as his father, it would have been a completely different story. Now, again, Jesus gets to make up stories. Sure. But here's also the thing and why. And and Tim talked about how a lot of times us as believers, we are the prodigal son and don't get us wrong. Oh, will, everyone, every single one of us is a prodigal son. But we will definitely read that most. But we focus on that sons. way too much if we're a believer. Focus on it way too much. But keep in mind the fact that our response and how we should react is the way that Jesus would react, which is in line with the Father. Yeah. And so our response to those, and again, you said it earlier, is... Jesus or the shepherd forsakes the 99 to get the one. Yeah, he leaves the whole, literally the whole herd. The whole damn flock. For one. For one. And so that should be our response. Heaven and hell is here. And so let's get those people out of hell that have locked themselves in there. Show them the love and affection and bring them out of that place to where they ha- where we show them the key and they unlock themselves from it. And they get to experience the beauty 
of God's grace and God's love through us, right? Because again, we've talked about it on this channel a couple of times is that God's love is, it is not conditional, but it is no longer, if for, for a majority of us, it is no longer supernatural. Right. It comes through us. When I hear most of the time when people talk about these supernatural experiences that they experience is actually from other people. They're like, I was sitting there and I laid hands on my car and I prayed over it because the engine went out and all of a sudden a motorcyclist drives by and he turns back around and he comes back and he's a believer and he also happens to be a mechanic and fixes our car and gets us to the next spot so that way we can fix it or whatever, which... Some of you guys may seem like that story sounds far-fetched, but this story actually happened to my father on a mission trip. They laid hands on a car. They prayed over it and that whole thing. And my dad, if you know him, yeah, is, is not the type to lay hands. We're, we're Baptist. Quote unquote, we're quote-unquote progressive. We believe in the supernatural. I was like... Things happen. And this happened... Only God can... But it only happened because this guy sat there and was like, man, dude, those guys must be struggling. And so he flipped around and he came over. And again, it's those people out there that believe in this mission and this vision of God, this heaven on earth where they go back and they are willing to take a time out of their day to help fix the situation or help these people out. Um, and that is something that is an act of God. Again, for those of you, and I say this a lot, you, we benefit from Western civilization. Absolutely. So a lot of us are very charitable, even if you're not of the faith. Well, we're charitable, but we don't believe in the super, supernatural, so it's a, it's a win-lose. Right. And so this thing that seems almost supernatural is is God's blessing, right? Because if God hadn't, and there's a domino effect. Again, if, if you read C.S. Lewis where it's like, if God didn't allow this movement in this guy's heart from when he was 12 years old to where now he's 27 years old and as a mechanic, he drives by and happens to see these people on the side of the road and he sits there and he's like, man, I feel like I should help these people out. Flips back around, shows back up. My dad thinks that this guy is a part of the Hells Angels and is going to shoot them all up, you know? And this guy pulls up and says, hey, guys, let me take a look at your Suburban because this thing's a hunk of junk and I'll fix it right up for you. And I'll get you guys up to the next spot. You can get you guys going from there. He's like, actually, there's a couple of buddy, buddies of mine that work at this next spot. You probably won't have to pay a dime. That seems almost supernatural. Well, from this podcast, it, both of us would say it's supernatural. And so a lot of us would accuse us, both of us, of being progressive, right? Right. But we're not. We believe in the supernatural. We believe in the kingdom of God. We believe in people coming across and being like, that would not normally have happened. Right. You just have to be open for when it happens. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't mean that you're not a part of the... It doesn't, doesn't mean you're part, not part of God's kingdom or God shitting on you. It just means like... That just moment didn't happen. But when it happens, you're ready to accept, like, oh, that was a moment. 
Right. And on is that dude who I had a preconceived notion against. Yeah. Yeah. Showed up. And they'd be no different like the black dude showed up and I was like, Oh, don't don't believe the black dude and the black dude did this. It's no different. It's literally no different. Or the gay guy showed up and that happened. Be like, okay, well, maybe I need to just set aside whatever I got going on. Just that, I mean, <laughs> anyone who's watched uh, Scorsese's movie on the Hell Angels, they're pretty hardcore. So hardcore. Hell's Angels shows up. That means they're dealing drugs. It's a gang, whatever. So, put that aside. That dude helped out. Maybe they put my preconceived notions aside. And this was the moment. Well, and here's here's the important part. Which is literally uh, the... Damn it. Okay, you gotta edit this. Uh, the, uh, I'm not gonna edit this at all. No, you do. Please, please. 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 Perfectly, so I'll just like oh, a little yeah, co- couple of cuts. <laughs> I think that what's important in all of this, something that's, I mean, all of this has been extremely important, but here's the thing is that no matter what you believe in the three things that we listed for both heaven and hell, is that. You continue to do what Jesus has called you to do on this earth and to create that kingdom of heaven here. So Jesus has come through. He has asked you to to do this, to act like the Father um, and forgive and show mercy. And not only to forgive and show mercy, but to forgive and show mercy with excitement. When you read the prodigal son... The father is not like, all right, yeah, no, I'll take you back. Like, no, it is joy and love in his heart. The forsaking of the 99 for the one is so important to the father. And so it is so important to us that we sit there and we, and, and here's the thing that's, that I want to get at is that and for those of you that have ever experienced, um, you know, um, counseling and that kind of stuff, a lot of times they tell you what is within your control, okay? And a lot of times there's a lot of things that are out of our control. And so we have to recognize that. And so therefore we have to recognize what is also within our control. And so what what is... So this idea of the afterlife and what comes next is – it's not up to us. No. It's not. 
We believe that it is. We think that if we do this much and if we say what we say correctly or whatever, but if you continue to look at scriptures, you'll find that really it doesn't actually come down to that. It really comes down to the whim of Jesus. Right. And it comes down to... And it, it doesn't come down to that. It doesn't come down to that. But what I'm saying, it comes down to you need to do your job. Yes. If you have been called and you know the message of God and you know all this, then you should be loving people just as the Father does. Yeah. Exactly. I don't even think that we had the prodigal son on our – do you have it on your No, it life? was not on there at all. I can't believe that we talked about it as much as we did tonight. I was like, golly, that was it's because, phenomenal. I can't, it's because it was, it's the most – okay. I, no, it's it, because God chose it to be in our podcast tonight. <laughs> I've, gone out of my way, my, I've gone out of my way to say it. It's the most misquoted uh, parable that there is. It's – Look, we talk about the we talk about the a hole younger brother as Christians so much, and it just makes us feel good. But if you've been in a church, which I've been at, yeah, or somewhere, no, no, I no. haven't. I haven't. It's just you. You're a weirdo. <laughs> I don't know if you were there. <laughs> I was at a church that said it wanted to change itself. To be a an open church, you you reverse it, you you talk about it. Look, I lived my life thirty five years and only heard, maybe that's just the dumbass churches I've lived at, but it's always taught from the younger brother, and until you've had someone who's who's smart enough, but convicting enough. And I can name the three people who did it within one year right. to preach from, no, you're the older brother. That totally changes your world. Right. And I'm sorry, Protestant evangelical churches do not preach from that point of view enough. That should be the point of view we preach at. If you grew up in a church, and, and it's safe to assume if you're the senior pastor, that most of the people who grew up there grew up in the church. They went to junior high ministry and senior high, and they got married in church and all that. Then you should be preaching from the older, which is you're the problem, not the younger guy. Right. Because you're upset that some dude who showed up at the church or some, or some girl or some dude and his wife with tattoos who's been twice no i'm not kidding twice know, divorced twice divorced and and on something or have showed up to church and you're like oh well that that doesn't no that doesn't apply and they're showing up like pastor our life is a mess and we're about two weeks away from divorce and we got a couple kids and i'm hooked on x and i'm hooked on y and let's just assume for modern fucking 21st century America that it is fully legal what they're hooked on. 
Yeah, uh, X is ecstasy and Y is... Um, Whatever. <laughs> no, I It is fully prescribed. I'm sorry, I'm trying to remember my street drugs. It I is was like, fully you know pres- X and Y? What are those? It is fully prescribed by Costco, and, they're, oh. and, they, and they are hooked on it, and they're one week from divorce. It doesn't even have to be fully prescribed by Costco at this point. You could literally be... Whatever. And they say, we're one week from breaking sure. up. Sure. And the pastor says, you know what? We're the place for you. Yeah. I'm sorry. I am sorry. I am sorry. The whole point of this podcast is the average church is not the place for that person. Because we're going to tell them, oh, no, you got to do this X, Y, and Z. First, you need to get unhooked off the drugs. You need to get unhooked off the drugs. And you then, need to realize that Jesus is your... Is Jesus your, is the drug, only drug the you only need. Drug. Start quoting U2, U2 songs. Which I love you two songs, but no. And so, no, this is... I take it you still haven't found what you're looking for. <laughs> I'm more I'm more partial to the silver and gold. <laughs> I'm a big believer in the Rattle and Hub album. That's the greatest song. All right, we're at 1 minute yeah, 52. We, we, yeah, yeah, close this <laughs> Tell people to go to hell and let's get this shit over. I'm fucking sloshed. <laughs> if you somehow love everything you've heard from this podcast. Or you don't. Or you hate everything you've heard. Leave us comments at Spotify, iTunes, whatever your favorite uh, podcast can program listen, is. Can you listen to podcasts on Spotify? Is that a thing? Oh, hell yeah. Oh. It's a thing. If not... Go to hell. Nice. Well, the prodigal son was a forward child. His mind.